whose first name was called Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai, walk with me and be trustworthy. I will make a covenant between us and I will give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face and God said to him, But me, my covenant is with you will be, will be the ancestor of many nations and become... <clears throat> And because I've made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you, and kings will come from you. I will set my covenant with you and your descendants after you. In every generation as an enduring covenant, I will be your God and your descendants. God after you. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are immigrants, the whole land of Canaan as an enduring possession, and I will be their God. And then skipping down a little bit, God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name will now be Sarah. I will bless her and even give you a son from her. I will bless her so that she will become nations and kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He said to himself, Can a hundred-year-old man become a father? Or Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, have a child? To God, Abraham said, If only you would accept Ishmael. But God said, no, your wife Sarah will give birth to a son for you and you will name him Isaac. I will set up my covenant with him and with his descendants after him as an enduring covenant. As for Ishmael, I've heard your request. I will bless him and make him fertile and give him many, many descendants. He will be the ancestor of 12 tribal leaders and I will make a great nation of him. But I will set my covenant with Isaac, who will be born to Sarah at this time next year. When God finished speaking to him, God ascended, leaving Abraham alone. Now we move to our New Testament reading from Romans, the fourth chapter, starting at the 13th verse. Now I'll be reading this time from the New Living Translation, the NLT another one of the modern translations that often help the words of Paul come, come across to us in English better. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. 
Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of old, he figured his body was good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever God promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. He was received. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and raised to life to make us right with God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When our daughter Sarah was a man six years old, Betty and I were walking down the aisle of the grocery store one day when a little girl's voice boomed out. Okay, listen up, people. Everybody in the grocery store turned and looked, you see. If you're old enough, you remember those E.F. Hutton ads? They would stop right and say, when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listen. That's what happened with Sarah. That we listened and we laughed because we knew exactly where our little door had learned to command attention like that. Because when her first grade teacher, Miss Deborah Brown, wanted the attention of the class. That's precisely the phrase that commanded silence and attention. Well, the reason that that story came to mind is that's the way Abraham and Sarah responded when God called them in the book of Genesis. In that book of Genesis, there are 22 stories about Abraham, generally from the 12th to the 25th chapter. And the one we just read from Genesis 17, there are three main things that happen. First, God announces his covenant with Abraham for the third time. 24 years earlier, you read in the 12th chapter, how the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make you your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then about seven years later, Abram had asked God, you know, kind of remember that promise you made me about a boy? Well, about that covenant from years before, not yet fulfilled. And Genesis 15 tells us that God brought Abram outside and said, look up at the sky. Count the stars if you think you can count them. This is how many children, that is descendants, you will have. So the first thing that happened in this chapter we read was that the covenant was renewed. And second, there were three names given. Abram because became Abraham, father of many. Sarai became Sarah, princess. That is, 
mother of kings. Now if you think about it, changing names is usually a kind of a landmark event, something that shows a, a new purpose. People's names are changed. Well, they change when they become kings or queens or popes. But, or traditionally, brides, not always, but brides. If God changed your name to express who you are called to be, what do you think your name might be? There's some, if you can, I have a book over here called uh, 3,000 Bible Names and Places, and, and it tells you the origin of lots of names. So you'll go, Jonathan, and it'll tell you it means gift from God. And maybe that's what y'all had in mind when you had your first son, John. Well, you know, I said there were three new names, Abraham and, Abraham and Sarah, and the passage, well, there's also one uh, that's featured in one of the hymns in the Berea hymn book. Not one we sing a lot, but El Shaddai, which loosely means God Almighty. That was the first time that name was used in the Torah, that is, those first five books of Moses. And by the way, Moses is the, is the only Old Testament hero that's mentioned more times in the New Testament than Abraham. Now Abraham goes, he goes on to become the father of Isaac, grandfather of Jacob, whose name got changed to Israel, you remember. And on down the family tree down to King David, Israel's greatest king in that political king sense, and eventually to Jesus. Well, you may think, hang on, okay, I get it. Abram and, Sar Abram and Sarai, they were important people in history. 4,000 years ago, way, way back. They were ancestors of Jesus, and Abraham's known as the father of three world religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But what has that got to do with you and me? <clears throat> and the struggles and challenges in our lives? Well, let me tell you. Even though they lived a long time ago in different times, in different circumstances, like many people we meet in the book of Genesis, the more you get to know them, the more they look like the people we see in the mirror every morning. The people we know. I think you do. If you read the 22 stories of Abraham, you'll find out he was nowhere close to what we would think of as a saint. Nowhere close to perfect. Neither Abraham nor Sarah. Neither one of them earned that special blessing God gave them. We don't earn God's blessings either, you and I. They're unmerited gifts, and that unmerited gift has a special name, grace. Abram and Sarai were called by God. God chose them for a new purpose. Well, you and I are called us also. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to share the good news of God's love to reflect Christ in our daily lives, both by what we say and how we say it, and by what we do, in word and in deed. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. You don't have to be, like, if you want to get in the Naval Academy, you have to meet certain physical tests and mental tests and all kinds of other tests and, to get in. There's a competition. But that's not the way God works. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the call. 
Well, another way we're like Abram and Sarai is that so often the way to go is kind of unclear. To wait for God's purpose to be fulfilled can take so long sometimes. We can be tempted as Abram was. We can be tempted to doubt. To discern the path God intends our life to take can involve challenges and obstacles and surprises and what may seem like sore disappointment. It takes faith. Another way, some of us are like Abram and Sarai. We may think, I'm just too old for God to call me to do something. <laughs> I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, nowadays, Abram and Sarai could say, Lord, uh, you know, when we got to be in our nights, we had in mind we might settle for a little smaller place with less yard work. You know, maybe one of those retirement centers that place bingo on Friday and has pretty good meals. We don't feature ourselves starting a family and all that, especially in a new place. God's call to them, and perhaps to some of us, interrupted their expectations. If you read the stories in the Bible, you'll find that God does that all the time. Interrupts people's expectations. Interrupts the plans they had made. And lastly, Abram and Sarai, they were not rabbis, they were not clergy, they were not ministers. They never went to seminary or the Jewish version of that. They were lay people like all of us. But they had a call, and so do we. Thanks be to God.